And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And before we get into the show, I want to welcome Ashley Refo, our editor. And she's joining us today because, well, just because, no, because she has a lot of questions for our guests. She's, uh, yeah, happy to hop on today. Thank you for letting me crash the party. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you were able to because I, I know you had other things going on today. So thanks, uh, thanks for doing it. And, uh, you'll see why in a little bit, but I'm going to welcome our guest today, Mark Gilvey. Mark is a professional photographer, he's a graphic designer. He has, an entire career of print experience going back in the days before we even had computers, I bet. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. And uh, so uh, he is uniquely qualified to talk about our topic today. This is a little, this is a little different episode because we're, um, we're getting into a little bit of some problem solving. Um, and that's why Mark is here with us. A lot of people want to see their work in print. Many people want to get into some type of self-publishing. And it's kind of, it's a big leap to go from our digital world. We're all in a digital world nowadays to go from digital to the real world print. Um, Specifically, we're going to talk about blurb. A lot of people are printing books on the blurb service, which is actually very cool. I've seen some really, really nice work done on Blurb. I've seen some total junk done done on Blurb. And if you want to print your work, whether it's Blurb or anything else, um, it's good to know the world behind printing because it's very different than what we see on our screens. And anyway, I want to welcome you, Mark. Thanks for doing this today. It's my pleasure, Bob. sharing your expertise <laughs> so yeah um thanks for having me on it's been a uh a, a real journey with this um and it's been a real problem i mean i i started working on this project early 2000s or mid 2000s um when a uh a neighbor of mine passed away Wee. Pee-wee, that's right. And uh, he had a garage at his house that people would come and visit every weekend. And um, I walked past it um, after visiting his his widow and noticed a light on and I asked her if I could photograph it. So um, I started writing my blurb book, but there wasn't any way to know what it was going to look like because I was still skeptical and it was a good thing i was skeptical because uh i i found a book on blurb that would describe how to do things and so forth and i didn't really like the way the black and white came out um so that kind of got put on hold because life got in the way and then um a few years ago i purchased a book from our friends over at the Fredericksburg Street Photography Collective. They had a, <laughs> they had a book that they did of their work. And uh, um, I looked at the cover and I looked on the inside. And I mean, the, the images looked real, real good. But I, I, I was especially enchanted with the cover because it had sort of a blue tint to it. And I asked them, did you deliberately put that blue tint in there? I don't believe they did. Anyway, that was the catalyst to get me moving again on this project. So um, I've now finally completed it. It's a two book series that describes um, all the different ways you can set your files up to be printed at Blurb or print on demand. I think you could put it uh, for that. In fact, just print on demand in general. Um, I just happen to be using Blurb, so I talk about Blurb in here. But I haven't tested, say, Amazon or any of the other ones. But they're also print on demand. 
So I'm so uh, glad you put this together, Mark. I was telling, I was just telling Bob, I think last week or this week, maybe even that uh, I've been wanting to print a book and just the thought of how many different things that I would need to research and understand to even start has been holding me back uh, because, you know, you say you started your project 20 years ago. I feel like it would take me 20 years to figure it all out. <laughs> this, so I'm glad this, you've done all this back work. <laughs> this, I think this will help you a great deal and it'll give you more confidence mm -hmm. um, in, in what you send to it. Uh, but of course, one of the key things is make a proof. Uh, I think probably the first thing I wanted to do was save money and not do a proof, you know, and I, I, I'm going to bet that a lot of people are like, I just want to send it like they're sending it to their laser printer. Um, and uh, no, you, you need to do a proof. You really do. <laughs> it's another concern, though. I told the same thing to Bob I, that we, I know I need to do a proof, but when you don't know anything about how it's going to come out or, you know, all the technicalities, then you're thinking, well, I'm probably going to have to do three, four, five, ten proofs. And then the cost of that holds you back. <laughs> right. So yeah. I like that you have guidance that can help somebody maybe get it right. And just like in your mind, you can say, OK, with this guidance, I'll probably only need maybe a few proofs and not exactly. 10 or yeah. 20. <laughs> they won't need they won't need as many because. Mm -hmm. um, What's most likely to go wrong in creating a, a book to print on demand? If I mean, if you walk into it with with no knowledge, what what are the biggest problems people experience, or that you experienced, and you have a ton of knowledge in the area anyway? The biggest problem I've found is that life gets in the way, and you never do it. <laughs> that is the biggest problem of all. Uh, yeah. I think probably with just about anything. But once you get started uh, doing it, it's like anything. Uh, you build up a rhythm. Your mind starts to explore different possibilities. Um, but there's also the technical challenge of it. Mm -hmm. um, we as photographers tend to nitpick everything. And uh, while that's okay to a degree, chances are you may be designing the book for someone who isn't. And you just need to understand that you may be overkilling it, you know? <laughs> um, so, uh, <clears throat> so the, the book will help you um nail down some of the most of the things that you're going to come in contact with like understanding your white point your black point um different colors of black um that sort of thing uh and i also go into some layout stuff because photographers don't know anything about layout <laughs> the most part <laughs> so i cover a little bit of that so what about monitor calibration I, I you've mentioned that several times and do you have to calibrate all monitors or some like macbooks are all macbooks the same and you don't have to worry about it um, everybody's computer monitor is a little different. As I like to put it, everyone else but you is looking through rose-colored glasses. They don't really know what they're, they're looking at unless their monitor is calibrated. Um, someone around the world, someone right next door, they might have their screen as bright as it'll go, as contrasty as it'll go. And your, your images are going to look different on that. So it has to be right somewhere. So that's why I encourage, you know, people to get themselves a decent monitor calibrator. And uh, actually all monitor calibrators are just de decent. So uh, I can only think of two or three, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, do that. But on the same token, don't trust your monitor calibration because in the end what you hold in your hand is what counts 
and it's never going to look the same as what your monitor is just because it's reflective light versus transmissive light. So what's the point of calibrating your monitor and getting it to look right on your screen if it's never going to look like that in the printed version? You get it right on your screen because it has to be right somewhere. Then when you get your print printed piece back, you can look at it and notice if something doesn't look right on you on it there and make the change on your computer. You're doing it kind of blindly because you didn't see it on there. And the reason you didn't see it is because it's transmissive light and your monitor gives you a whole different feel than print does. And print will pick up things that you just can't see on there, which is kind of backward because um, you don't have as many colors to work with either on print. So you have to understand the difference between those two and then make the change on your monitor. Because once you, if you see, oh gosh, there's a little pink in that flower. Mm -hmm. I, I know it was supposed to be white. And then you go back and you look on your screen and you say, well, uh, yeah, there is sort of a pink in there, but I didn't see that the print picked it up more. That kind of stuff can happen. And, uh, and so then you, have, you go back in and you make a tweak on your screen because print will pick up things that you can't see because they get very delicate uh, on, your, on your monitor. And you know, you're taking your whole image in and you don't, you just, you notice them at a different point. So that's, that's why. <laughs> that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Does that, over time, can you kind of learn your monitor and know things that you aren't seeing? Or is it just kind of image by image? I don't really think you can. I think you're, um, and that gets to making a proof. It's just like, um, those of us who worked in the dark room, you know, we, we always had to make another proof, make a change, make a proof. Um, and, and the same thing is true here. It's kind of like the light room <laughs> versus yeah. the lab <laughs> kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah I, I run into that just printing on my, uh, on my Canon mm -hmm. you know, looks, looks good on the screen. I print it and it just doesn't look quite right. Yeah, well, if you have everything, if you have it all set correctly on your computer and you know it's set correctly, um, then, uh, you know, you got your, your printer calibrated also and you've done everything you can there, um, then you just need to make tweaks on your on your monitor. Yeah. So is there any software or calibrating devices that did you recommend? I've been using Calibrite for years. Um, I also had a spider system for a number of years, um, but marketing got me over to X-Rite <laughs> and then X-Rite became Calibrite. So I've been, I've been using that and I use, I, I, I think I went to them because they, they had the, color checker passport mm -hmm. which i would use when photographing locations and things like that um and uh, to to give me a reference yeah because i wanted to calibrate my monitors and uh i have an old i probably bought it 12 years ago an old calibration device software probably probably won't run anymore i'm sure you never know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mine's, that's true. Pretty, mine's pretty old. <laughs> I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $3.75 per month with a one-year subscription, per month with a one-year subscription. And you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. 
Um, I was going to say, I wanted to ask you about one of your points um, that kind of has to do with layout that you mentioned as things that can kind of go wrong. You said in your notes here that photos, your photos might be great, but don't let your text become rivers or orphans. What do you mean by that? Well, if you look through any book and uh, that has text in it, just blur your eyes and look at the color of the page. Mm. Okay. Now look at, um, I think businesses are, are, are guilty of this. Uh, look at, look at a, a page that has the, the text justified on the left and the right side. And you're going to see holes and little rivers through the text hmm. of white. And all those are stopping points. They all act like little flashlights flashing at you. Huh. They, uh, so um, when you, when you, tighten all that stuff up, adjust kerning and adjust line spacing and letter spacing. Um, all that contracts and then makes the color of the page look more even, which makes it easier to read. Mm, that's a pro tip right there. The orphans uh, have to do with, um, and unfortunately we have no control over this on the web, uh, but on print you do. Um, orphans and there's also widows um, is when you write out a paragraph and there's like one word on the next line mm -hmm. or there's like one sentence at the top of the next page or the next column mm -hmm. you don't want those so you you tighten up your text and uh, and and then those go away I I actually did a uh, an autobiography for uh, a woman um, over the last year uh, she worked with me and we went in and I, I like to do everything right rag um, so it's it's uneven on the right side I think it's easier to read um, it doesn't necessarily look as nice as nice straight columns down on, but I think it's easier to read and we went through and tightened up all of her <laughs> sentences through every page of it just by selecting the sentence and tightening it, the kerning and all that stuff. But yeah, that's, that's the level you can get to at it. But my, my, my big thing is, is that, um, you know, if you're a photographer and you're going to include text, these are good things to know how, how to do because it makes reading easier and it makes it look tight. It makes it look more professional. Are there any photo books with text that you can think of that you can have as a reference? Like this is a really good example of somebody who did this right. No. <laughs> okay. Oh. If you think of any, let us know. <laughs> no, I mean, you could look through blurb even, and there's plenty of people on there who've got previews to their, to their mm -hmm. things, but you'll, You'll see, um, you know, if there's big white spaces between, you know, for example, um, one of the, a lot of this comes from the, the age of typewriters, you know, for example, people put two spaces between sentences. You don't need to do that. You just put one space between them. And if you look at the difference between the two, one of them is like a real bright little flashlight flashing at you. Yeah the two space versus one where you it's fluid reading. Um, yeah. yeah, let me take this moment as the editor of Street Photography Magazine to say, if you're sending us a submission, please don't double space your sentences because I have to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Aha>. <laughs> Nine years and, and, and you're just now telling us that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most of us who learned on typewriters always leave two spaces. <laughs> yep, I've gotten over it. Thanks, Ashley. I'll stop that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. Don't worry, Bob. <laughs> no, no. Oh man, yeah. I don't. I don't miss typewriters. That's for sure. One more thing in terms of problems. You 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 put a thing in your notes about black and white. It said uh, you should understand how to print black on black, which is yep. interesting. White on white, mm -hmm. and avoid blobbage. Blobbage. 
Probably yeah. sounds like indigestion or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's my uh, term I coined in the process. If you um, are printing grayscale images and you wouldn't to put them over the black, over a black background, blacks are not the same color. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the tests I do in the book shows you the difference between putting a straight, true grayscale image versus a uh, a four color or an RGB or or whatever. In fact, there's one page that goes into great detail over all of those. Now, I I also need to preface this that um, when I send my uh, convert my files to pdfs that the the blurb uh, pdf creator um does it's like the man behind the curtain i'm not exactly sure what he does but the thing the thing the thing to remember is that this is what i put in and this is what i got out and um regardless of what happens in between it may take what i did and turn it turn them all into the same type of file on the other side but that is what it will look like if you do this so black on black and white on white um you can you can end up let's just say you have a, a photo that you took at night and you put it down on a black page the black that's in your photo might be different from the black you have on the page mm -hmm. so it's important to understand um, the profile or the color build of your black for the photo versus the black for the background. Um, same goes with white. And what happens is that if you have a night photo and you put them, combine them on that page is you can get blobbage. And it's basically where a big black area uh, melds in with the background and then the background becomes part of the photo. Mm -hmm. So without a border around that, it doesn't, it, it doesn't look right. So you, you add a border or, you know, print on a different way. Uh, uh, you know, uh, adding, well, no, I'm sorry, just adding a border. It's probably the best way. To do it. Uh, but yeah, that it, blobbage doesn't look very nice. Um, and I give I give you lots of examples with with borders of various thicknesses um, because that's another question. Well, what if I put a a 0.5 line or a 0.25 line or a three point line? What happens? And I give you examples with that. What if it's in color? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's also important to know that, uh, especially on the white end, what the limits are for where the first drop of ink goes down. Where is the true highlight when it's printed? In the older days, actually, they're not so old because they still print this way with like a something called a web press, uh, where they pour ink into the into the printer and then run it through a, a giant press that's the size of a building. Yeah. You know? um, highlights were were very important because you you had to uh they had a limit of say four cyan two magenta two yellow for a neutral colored uh white point but i'm finding with with uh, and anything beyond that would clip so um it's important to know where your, what your densities are in your photographs. And you do that by reading the densitometer and putting it into CM, CMYK. And I have conversion charts in there that convert RGB to CMYK numbers and also Lightroom percentages because it doesn't work in RGB, it works in percentages. Um, so that you know where your white point is. And I have found that with print on demand, you can actually go with even less ink than that. And there are samples of that in there that show, um, but you don't want to clip your images. So this is part of understanding uh, how to do that. 
Yeah, I always learn when you print a photograph, you should never print paper white. The whites should be darker or different color than the actual paper itself, because then it just just the photo disappears on the paper, right? Right. Paper white is a specular highlight, and it's only reserved for sun reflections of the sun reflections of a light bulb uh you know and it, a good way to kind of discipline yourself on it and learn about it is how would you put your where would you put your white point um that has a, a you know a specular highlight where would you put how would you set up that specular highlight if your paper was a, an off white and that is to remember that the paper is the specular highlight so once you hit zero uh, or a hundred percent in in uh, white in density, that becomes the paper, and that's where the specular highlight. And a lot of people don't realize it, and they will try to pull that down, or and then it gets dark, or they go the other way. <laughs> so yeah, understanding that's a good thing. When somebody goes to create their book, what are the probably the most important things they need to keep in mind? You're going to find many different ways in the book that that show you what examples are going to how things are going to print based on the color profile you use or the bit depth that you submit and, and all that. Pick a method and stick with it so that you can go back and know that you're making changes to that uh, by itself uh, rather than getting hung up with, oh, well, this one I did this and this one I did that, and then you get confused. Um, keep it simple. Um, you, you learn how to recognize um, print densities. So uh, when you read something in RGB, you need to understand how that translates to CMYK because the, uh, the print process is CMYK. In Lightroom, you can get there by pressing the letter S, I believe it is, and it'll give you CMYK readings. You just have to remember to get out of that. Otherwise it's gonna say, do you wanna save this? <laughs> um, in, in Photoshop, you just bring up your info palette and there's a little uh, triangle that you can add other ways of reading the, densitom the, the densities. But uh, understand, how to <clears throat> understand how to read those so you can get the right highlight, the right shadow, and also so that you can pick up on color casts that you don't want. Um, an, a new, for example, a neutral color cast um, in RGB might be 128, 128, 128. Um, but in CMYK, it would be something where the cyan is a little higher than the magenta and the yellow. Um, and you can see that if you put it over gray, and uh, you have the CMYK, you'll see what it would actually read in CMYK. So that if you're looking at one of your images and you say, well, that shouldn't have that kind of cast. I, I see the magenta is a little high and I want it to be neutral. So <clears throat> the densitometer will help you uh, recognize that. And then you can go back and make whatever appropriate change. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, Oh, <laughs> pay attention to printer quality, printing quality. Um, blurb isn't perfect. And um, they have sent me a, probably twice some flaws, and but they've reprinted them for me with, with no charge. However, there is something called the 85% rule that they run on their side <laughs> that I heard about. And that is... If it's, you know, if it's a slight difference, 
they're not going to reprint it. But if it's a physical mess up, like a little blob of ink, because I have had that, a blob of ink got on a number of pages, they'll reprint that. Um, one time gradients didn't look like, didn't look right. It looked like it digitized or something and they reprinted it. And they were very good about that. Even though I was only having one copy printed. Hmm. So um, keep that, keep that at hand. So a question for you about that. Um, these on-demand printing services that are out there like Blurb, can you, do you feel like at this point, because there's a lot of variables like you're talking about. Sometimes they mess up. Sometimes you don't know who's printing it or what happens when it goes through there, you know, when you upload your files or whatever. So can you really get a professional quality book that you could sell out of a on-demand printing service that you do online? Do you feel like that's possible? Oh, absolutely. I do. And you're going to see it when you get get the my book. Um, I, I chose the, the premium version to print this. I was going to do this whole test on, on their standard version, which is a cheaper, mm -hmm. a cheaper version, but um, they had been running into paper issues and they just, they would swap out a paper. Um, so I, I, it was supposed to be glossy and it didn't come out. It, it wasn't glossy. I said, that's all they had at the moment because they were running into shortages because of COVID. So I just decided not to go that route and do it the premium way. So you would know the best it could look. And when you open it, you're going to feel it. It feels professional. It feels really good. My client who I did the autobiography for has gotten tons and tons and tons of of comments and it was a private book. So she only gave it out to specific people. She's not save, selling it, which mm -hmm. is not mentioning her, her name and so forth. But yeah. um, uh, she gave it out to uh, specific friends, close friends and stuff. And she's gotten so many comments, uh, compliments on it. So yes, you absolutely can. And it is really exciting when you open it up and look at it in print, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just a question because, you know, sometimes you get like, okay, I can sit down on my computer and do this myself. Am I actually going to get something that's the same quality as if some mega publisher picked up my book and, and did it for me? Yes, you know? I really think you can. The thing is, is start small, you know, mm -hmm. do, do a test magazine. I say magazines because they're inexpensive. I think, uh, I think mine... I think it was like 17 bucks, you know, I charged 24 or 23 or whatever for it, but it was only that much to have them print and send uh, to me. And that might've included shipping. Don't remember exactly, but you know, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. And it's uh, what, 65 pages long or so. I forget how long. Uh, if you want to make a book, but you want to get like a, a cheaper proof, can you do a magazine or is that going to be totally different from mm. what you're getting? That's in a, book? a good question. I, I don't know that for sure because I don't know if their books are printed the same way or not. I'm going to assume they are. Um, but until I actually do one of their books, like a hardcover or something, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to know for sure. Uh, but you could ask them, you know, the, you can, yeah, true. Yeah. They're 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 pretty attentive um, to get back to you with uh, with information. So just add that stuff in your contacts <laughs> so you can get a hold of. <laughs> Sometimes they take a little while, but they are um, they are responsive. Yeah, I want to uh, back up a little bit. Um, you you've been referring to your book, and I I have to apologize. I never didn't ask you early on about your book, but uh, Mark has created two books on how to make print-on-demand books look really good, which is what he's been talking about. He's been talking about the problems and, and some of the best practices. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? And one thing that I really like about it is that you're teaching how to use Blurb and you're using Blurb to print the book so you can see. And it's probably the only way to see how your recommendations actually work by seeing it by using that actual Blurb process, right? 
Right. Yeah. Uh, you, I'm sure you could sell, say that more elegantly than I just did. <laughs> tell us about these books and what they're for. And okay. and, uh, and by the way, I, I bought his black and white book. I haven't gotten it yet. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it's not available as a PDF because to really understand the process, you have to have it printed. Um, you don't know who or where it's going to be printed. And maybe that printing company might have a bad day. Maybe there's a problem with their printers. Maybe things are perfect, but there are printing companies all over that uh, I, from what I understand, I could be wrong about this, but I believe there are printing companies all over the world that are printing for them. Um, uh, actually, one of, there's a guy who lives right around the corner from me who does printing for them. Anyway, the book is, uh, you really have to have it printed to uh, to understand what's going on. Now, I, I, I thought about making a PDF version of it available to people, but like it, like we pointed out, looking at it on screen versus tactile, your ultimate is the tactile. So you really need to look at it on that. So I haven't made it. Yeah, there's no way we could know if you knew what you were talking about unless we had the physical book. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And not only the only that, way we can trust what you're telling us. <laughs> exactly. You have to have the book. I know. Catch 22, right? Um, and when I made the book, I sent it to them to be printed. When I got it back, I evaluated what was going on with it. And then I wrote notes in the book about what was printed. So, so basically it has already been pro gone through a process and I'm commenting on what the observation is that I make. And I don't give you any hard and fast rules in it. You have to decide on yourself for yourself. Uh, you look at what you see, you read it, what I wrote, and you see if they, if you feel they match, because our languages can always reinterpret things slightly different or so. But then you can better have a better idea for what your stuff might look like. And then apply that to your own process. Um, I use uh, Lightroom and InDesign and Photoshop in here exclusively. I don't use the Blurb Book Creator, which, uh, you know, people who, it's a, an easier way for folks, but I'm not sure uh, how much control. I just, I've never used it. So um, I've always done things by uh, getting in there and manually doing it myself because I don't like to be restricted. <laughs> Yeah, I've used their little maker program they have and InDesign. And I think you do have a lot more control and many, many more options as far as layout and design if you just use InDesign. Right. Um, and now it doesn't mean that you you can't do it the other way. You certainly can. But this will help you understand um, how to do it um, and what's going on in the background, because they on their website, they, they have a pretty good description of how to do everything, but it doesn't tell me the what ifs. And there are so many what ifs for us as photographers. And um, uh, that's what I do in the book, in both books, um, is, uh, is I give you those samples. I also have samples in there for uh, HDR, um, bad HDR. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that going around yes um and and what could happen with it uh once it's printed because uh, you're using color that's just not printable in there and i also we also talk about you know doing the proof pre, uh preview in photoshop and what that means to images like that so that's the whole the whole story of Gamut and Simka, <laughs> Smike, I'm sorry, Smike, I, I, I affectionately nicknamed CMYK Smike, <laughs> not Smeagol, Smike, uh, and there's in there, there's the adventures of, uh, of uh, Smike and, and Gamut. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. and, and really, just to clarify, there's two versions of this book, one yeah. for color printing and one yeah. for black and white. Yeah, I knew there were going to be people who just want to do black and white. So yeah. I had to do that. But I I also had to do the, the color one because, uh, you know, it just you got to do yeah. that. The 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 thing is, is if you buy the black and white, you don't necessarily need to get the color. But if you buy the color, you need to buy the black and white because the, the tests that are in the black and white also affect color. So, yeah, the, the black and white is a good one to start with. If uh, and, you know, this is a great crowd for that. You know, by doing this, taking on a print project like this, you're you're going into a whole new learning curve. Yes. And mm -hmm. to me, it's baffling. And hopefully your books flatten that learning curve. Yes, that's that's what my goal with it is. Um, we've become really, I mean, you take a photo, you and then just print it. You know, there's there's a whole world of and I, I I mean your readers understand this. Um, there's a whole other world once you start to do print, and it takes a lot of control. It is not easy. So when you, if you have more control over that, guess what? You'll have more control over printing your fine artwork that will go up on the wall, and um, you know that's. That's taking it from start to finish. When we put our pictures on the web, it's not finished. Not yet. At some point, somebody's going to come out. And I talked about this, I think, once before, where uh, it was a number of years ago, probably 10, 20 years ago, I, I heard that DuPont came out with a paint that you could change the color of with a rheostat. So your kitchen could be yellow in the morning or orange at sunset or blue or something like that. How long do you think it's going to be until you can put pictures on that? You know, once once digital can remove print, then your pictures will be finished. Um, there's, I, I saw it's getting very close, too, because I saw that there was a, a, a BMW that had paint that could do that. It could add patterns to it. So I'm like, it's not far. You know, it's not far till you can put pictures on, on your walls that way. So, uh, but right now uh, for books or hanging on your wall kind of thing, it's, it's a process to go through. It's going to take you a while, but do it slowly. And you have to, when you get the print back, you can't think about, technical things too much you have to look at it as if you're the the viewer and see if all the color or all the black and white if it all flows nicely and make your corrections on that not images individually because oh well technically this thing didn't work or something like that you have to absorb the whole thing as a contiguous uh story how do you step back like what helps you to step back? Like you've been on your computer for hours calibrating and fixing errors and looking at colors and numbers. And now you have the proof. How do you step back and stop looking at the technical stuff and say, does this work? Well, blurb helps that because it takes uh, a week or two before you receive it. And in that time, in that time you have walked away from the project and you go back to it with fresh eyes hmm. um and and then once so the just stop looking at stuff for that week just forget about it for that week and then yeah, wait for the no, yeah don't do any <laughs> don't do any other changes on it you you want to uh you want to uh you know keep you can get hung up on all different kind of little things if you don't keep notes on them and having that delay in there helps you clear your head a little bit. And then when you receive it and you open it up and you look through it um, is one thing. But then if you open it up and read it and just follow it and see how it 
how each page works together, um, then that will invoke other uh, responses that you might make on the on screen on the computer. I use uh, Evernote um, to uh, keep notes on every single page. I make a, a punch list of things that I need to look for because you're going to go through these pages hundreds of times. And uh, so having a punch list so you don't look at that again is helpful. Uh, but you'll end up going through that again as well. <laughs> you know, even the same things that you did already. Um, but because uh, it's, you know, yeah, you just make yourself a checklist of everything that you've done on, on the page and uh, make sure that your images are all placed and properly. And that's kind of what you do. You said one thing in your notes uh, that, that really struck home with me, mainly because of a problem I had printing a photo. And you said, don't compare it to your monitor, compare it to your heart. And the story that it says, says what it should look like. This is an aesthetic call, not a blame game. And right. I really like that. That helped me a lot just before I go back and reprint that photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it totally is because you're going to get hung up on technical because that's what we do. It's mm -hmm. our natural, you know, existence. Um, and, uh, you have to go back and you have to look at things with your heart and see if that, if it, if it flows nice and, and, uh, and then make your judgment calls because uh, for example, in, in the book I was working on with uh, my, my client, um, we had a photo of her in uh, a certain color dress and then we brought this other picture in that also had uh, the, a similar color, but the whole image looked a little different. And I suggested that she let me balance those two so that they looked the same on the page. Otherwise, one calls out too much. Uh, and you're going to run into those things. Maybe the image was correct when you evaluated it in the project that you created for that shoot maybe it looked great there but once you got it in the book and put it side by side with something else yeah brightness contrast density whatever uh might make it not flow properly and you have to make a change to that so it's yeah it's a definitely a creative decision well how do people find this book in my in in my website my fine art website uh, there's a product link and on the product page, there are all the different ways I'm going to try and monetize my photography, either through, you know, clothing or prints or education. And the top right one says image creation. That link uh, will take you to a page that has both books uh, described on it. You can't buy both at the same time. You have to do it as two separate orders. And uh, I tried to uh, find out if I could throw in a coupon code and I can't do that either because uh, Blurb doesn't do that stuff. Yeah. Um, so they do periodically offer uh, discounts to people buying books. So uh, I guess sign up for account, an account and wait for them to, <laughs> to send one of those out if you want to get a discount on it. But um, that's why I did them as magazine style is to keep the cost down. Originally, it was going to be uh, both in, in one book, but I knew it was going to be way too expensive. So I split them out. Um, I, I, I was actually going to include uh, what may be the next book that I do out of this, and that's on toning. Um, sepia toning, selenium toning, um, trying to reproduce those on the computer. That may be another project down the road. <laughs> but I was going to have all three of those in one. I knew it was going to be just way too expensive. So I split them out. What's the uh, web address for your fine art website? It is mgfineartphoto.com. 
That's MG as in Mark Gilvey, mgfineartphoto.com. If you search for my first and last name, my business website will come up, Mark Gilvey Creative, which is my commercial photography business. Um, but it, that one might also come up. If you look for Mark Gilvey Fine Art Photography, that should come up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's the URL to get there. Um, oh, let me, there's probably another really important thing to say here. And that is, I have something uh, that one of my, bosses taught me a long time ago and it's called the 98 percent rule you get your project to 98 percent and you abandon it art is abandoned it never ends so the Mm -hmm. last two percent you will spend the rest of your life working on and um so you need to recognize when you've gotten to that point Um, And that might include things like, oh, this sentence looks a little wide on this paragraph. (laughs) Let me adjust. Sometimes you can just let it go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or or maybe this in this image, you know, I, I, I missed that, that piece of paper that's sitting on the, on the sidewalk over there. It's kind of bright white, you know, but maybe I'll let it go. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, that's a term I've used for quite a while. You just have to abandon it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, you'll look at it. You're always going to find things wrong with it. I always try to equate things with, with music uh, because, you know, think about uh, bands that write music when they record their work and they get it to, to a CD or, or whatever. I'm sure there's tons of things in there that they hear that no one else hears that are, that are messed sure. up, you know? So it's, you know, I try to learn from the other disciplines too. <laughs> sure. And their, their music's always evol- evolving. Two years later, when you see them live, they're going to yeah. perform that song differently. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Well, very good, Mark. Yeah. Thank you for all the insights. Ashley, you have any more questions before we go? Okay. Well, yeah, okay. That's right. Well, Get the damn book. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'm I'm looking forward to receiving it. I'm eternally grateful for you. Uh, I know this is out of your or, ordinary uh, line of uh, podcast, but I, I'm eternally grateful that you brought me on. Well, thank you. I think it's valuable for a lot of our readers. Uh, lots of people we've talked to consider self-publishing, and there's a lot yeah. of questions that come with that. So you've answered a ton of them today. Yeah, none of which we are qualified to answer intelligently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I thank you. 